Today's scripture reading is from Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, and this will be page 542 in the Pew Bibles. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to worship. I'm Tim Householder. If we haven't met, uh, I'd love to meet you after the service. If, if we haven't met, come say hi to me and introduce yourself. Uh, we're launching a new series called The Generous Life. As you see on the screen, part one, we're going to be talking about the generous life and our time. So if we're going to talk about the generous life, why don't we start out with the definition of generous? And we could come up with a lot of things, but how about something like showing uh, the readiness to give more of something that, than is necessary or expected. So, no, again, that readiness to give more of something, time, resources, talents, to give more of something than is expected or even necessary. Generous. On a scale of 1 to 10, don't shout out your answer. 10 being the highest. How generous of a person are you, do you think? It's an interesting question. Sometimes we go through life so busy, so hurried, so rushed, we don't have fun and we don't pause to do a little self-inventory once in a while. It's good to look in the mirror once in a while, isn't it, and say, how am I doing? What am I... Who am I? What, what kind of person am I? Am I a generous person or not? Uh, what's that number? What would others say that number is? We had a buddy we ran with, a really good friend of ours in college. I won't name him, but Bob was this guy. And whenever the bill came, we called him alligator arms. Because the bill came and alligator arms, Bob was like, you know, I'd love to pay, but I can't quite get down to my wallet. So alligator arms. You can use that one. It's, it's free. That's a freebie. How generous are you? Take a look at uh, this picture. And uh, what do you see there? You got a kid. How many apples? How many? Three. He's got one hiding in the hand across. That one's kind of hiding, isn't it? He kind of, and he's offering what? An apple. Now, as you look at this image, what thoughts come to your mind? 
ooh, I love Granny Smith apples. It's that time of year. Let's get the caramel out. Let's go. That's, that's awesome. Let's go. I'm hungry. Or you're thinking, oh, what a cute kid. He's, he's, he's generous. He's offering. Or do you say, I see myself in that kid. That's the kind of person I try to be. Some of you math people have already considered, you know, he's giving a third of his resources, his assets away, and you're wondering about that. What do you think of when you see this picture? We're going to be talking about the generous life in this series. And I think it's important to to think about the lives we live and how we live them. And today we're going to focus on time. How many of you are familiar uh, with this, obviously, this phrase? How many of you think you're, don't raise your hand, but how many think you're good at time management? And how many of you really struggle? How many of you in this hurried, busy life, this crazy pace we live, chasing the kids around to their activities, the demands of work, the demands of friendships, relationships, how, how good are you at this? I think if we're all honest, we could say, well, we'd always be open to hearing a best practice or a way uh, of some coaching that might help us in our lives. And as we connect between time management and living a generous life, thinking about our time, perhaps we can turn to Scripture in a few moments to get some guidance from God about being generous with our time. And what does that mean exactly? And what does that look like exactly? How many of you uh, have seen uh, at some time or know the story of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown? Raise your hand. Poor Linus, out in the pumpkin patch, waiting for the great pumpkin to come to the most sincere pumpkin patch of all, passing on the invitation to Violet's Halloween party, where they're all going to go trick-or-treating and Poor Charlie Brown's going to get a bag of rocks. Sally, Charlie Brown's little sister, has a crush on Linus, does she not? And she's torn. Do I go to Violet's Halloween party and trick-or-treating, or do I sit out in the pumpkin patch with my crush? Do I give my time to Linus? Well, if you know the story, you know what happens. We're going to pick it up in the pumpkin patch on Halloween. She's chosen to be with Linus. The great pumpkin is rising from the patch, although it's not the great pumpkin, is it? Take a look and listen for Sally's rant. It's the great pumpkin. He's rising up out of the pumpkin patch. What happened? Did I faint? What did he leave us? Did he leave us any toys? I was robbed! I spent the whole night waiting for the great pumpkin when I could have been out for tricks or treats! Halloween is over and I've missed it! You blockhead! You kept me up all night waiting for the great pumpkin! And all that came was a beagle! I didn't get a chance to go out for tricks or treats! And it was all your fault! 
appearing in a woman scorned, haven't you? Yes, I guess I have. Well, that's nothing compared to the fury of a woman who has been cheated out of tricks or treats. Poor Sally. I've been robbed! I'll sue! Now, if we think about it, we've probably all felt just like Sally at some point. At some time in our life, we've looked back over a waste of time, or time not well spent, or time where we've made mistakes, or time we've given to a company, perhaps, and we're not there anymore. Time we've given to a relationship that broke down. And we feel robbed. We feel cheated. You know, there's always risk when we give of ourselves. There's always risk when we give of our time. And if we're really honest, we, we're a lot like Sally, aren't we? We give of ourselves, we offer our time, and sometimes it doesn't work out. But again, are there parameters, are there guidelines to think about? Is there scripture that can help us think about our stewardship of time, and the generous life. I did something this past week I want to share with you, and I, I wonder if you might find it an interesting exercise to do a little self-inventory, uh, maybe later today or in the days to come. But as I was preparing thoughts for this morning's message, I was thinking about all the people in life that I've given my generous time to that don't know me from Adam. And let me explain. The athletes, the celebrities, the notable people. If you, the per, I, you know how much time I've given Michael Jordan in my life? And if you happen to know Michael Jordan and you asked him if he knew who Tim Householder was, he'd say, I have no idea who you're talking about. But do you know how much time I've given him? I'm going to give three hours of my life to a team in dark blue and orange at about 12 o'clock. Anyone else? Any of you who've done that ever say after that game, there's three hours of my life I'll never get back? All these people out there I have been generous with my time with who don't know me. And yet, the people in my life are all around me. My spouse, my kids, my friends, my coworkers. Give of our time. And just think about, I was pondering that and I was a little bit taken aback. Maybe it's time to rethink how I spend my time. Maybe it's time to rethink what God wants for me in my life when it comes to managing time. Maybe I'm giving people who don't know me at all a little too much of me. While the people right around me are starving for my time. Someone who in the Bible thought a lot about time was Solomon. And uh, just want to jump to that uh, slide. Solomon was uh, a king, and uh, he was David's son. Perhaps you've heard of King David in the Old Testament. So the first thing we want to bring up here is that he was 
David's son. David was the second king of the United Kingdom of Israel, and he had a son, Solomon. And Solomon, in, as is common in monarchies, he gets the throne handed to him. And so he was uh, the third king, which is the next thing, the third king of Israel. Um, Solomon ruled from about 970 B.C. to about 931 B.C. So he had about a four-decade reign in the United Kingdom in Jerusalem. Um, he was uh, very wise, very wealthy. Uh, perhaps you remember the Sunday school story of uh, the two women who bring a baby before the king and they, uh, they're arguing over whose baby it is and King Solomon says, cut the baby in half. And one mom goes, fine, that's your answer. And the other goes, no, 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 don't do that. I'd rather you give it to her than harm, harm the child. And then Solomon goes, oh, only the true, only the true mother would say that. It's, this is the mother. That's him. He was very wise. In 1 Kings, he was, uh, he was making a sacrifice to God. And then in a vision, um, a dream, God appeared to him and said, what would you like me to give to you? And, and instead of being selfish and greedy, he said, how about wisdom? And so scholars of the Bible and even historians consider Solomon to be among one of the wisest people uh, that ever lived. In our Old Testament, there's a section of books called the wisdom books, the Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Psalms. He is, his pen uh, wrote many of the words in those books, uh, which leads me, uh, after he, knowing he built the first temple in Jerusalem, he was the author of Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, uh, and many Proverbs. And we think probably two of the Psalms he wrote. So keeping in mind that he wrote Ecclesiastes, I hope you have a Bible. If you don't, go, don't be afraid to get up and grab one right now. Uh, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We heard the text read. And let's go back over this text. Someone in the Bible who thought a lot about time and how time works was Solomon, and he wrote this. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. We know that's our mortal path. We're born and we die. The other places in Scripture, it says we're vapor. We're that. In the history of, of, of all time, we're, that's it. So what are we going to do with that? How are we going to be generous with our time in that life? A time to plant, a time to uproot. Solomon knew all about the harvest and the seasons and the planting and, and farming and how that works. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. Tearing down and building, that's what the White Sox are doing right now. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. God gave us this wiring to let out those tears, like a teapot under pressure, to let us cry and weep when we need to. And the universal language is laughter. Every tribe, every race knows what laughter is. It's something we share across the globe. In a world often too occupied with division and disunity, oh, there's a time to laugh. 
A time to mourn and a time to dance, the second part of verse 4. A whole movie was written about that called Footloose and a horrible remake recently. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. But Footloose, the original, Kevin Bacon, he's before the, before the town born and the girl he, has, he likes, his father's the pastor and they've been dancing in the whole town and if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, you should have by now. And he sits and he quotes scripture. Kevin Bacon really steps up and he, he goes right to the heart of it. He says, there's a time to mourn. They, they, there was a death of a young person and they blamed it on dancing. And he goes, but there's a time to dance. We know that in our family. As we mourn the recent loss of, of Kathy's mom, there, there's a time to mourn. It's a season. It's part of life. But there is a time to dance. There's a time to dance. A time to scatter stones, a time to gather them. In other words, the time to build, a time to, to rebuild, to, to, re, to regroup. A time to embrace, the time to refrain from embracing. A time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to tear, tear and a time to mend. Time to be silent and a time to speak. Time to love, a time to hate. There's a, there's a righteous anger that is godly. And we look at the world and we go, uh-uh, that's wrong. A time for war and a time for peace. Not condoning war, but acknowledging that it happens. To sum it up, let's go back to verse 1. There is a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time for everything. There's a season. Life is about seasons. So what do we do in those seasons? How can we be generous with that time in those various seasons? In all of the seasons Solomon listed, what is the generous life? What does it look like? And to answer that question, let's connect the dots in our Bibles. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to page 265 in the Brown Worship Bible. Or if you've got your own Bible, just turn with me to 1 Kings, back in the Old Testament, chapter 2. And this is the place, uh, you hit history buffs, this is the place where you get to learn about the kings of Israel. So it's, it's awesome reading if you're a history buff and you just want to know uh, about the history. And as we're turning to, to 1 Kings, chapter 2, remember the Bible never begins anywhere once upon a time in a land far, far away. These are real people in real places who had real lives and did real things. And, and here we meet King David. And it says in verse 1, when the time drew near for David to die, a time to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. Solomon, who wrote the text we just walked through in Ecclesiastes. He says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. So be strong Act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires, which is this. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. What is David, the dying father, telling his son who he's going to pass the throne to in that text, he's saying, I'm going to die. You're going to be king. My parting words to you are, keep God's commands. Do God's will. 
Spend your time and your life doing what God asks. If you do that, you will prosper. And Solomon becomes king. And he's a great king, a wise king, has a 40-year reign. And let's now connect the dots from 1 Kings 2 to Ecclesiastes, the book we're in today. But instead of going back to the text we're in, let's find Ecclesiastes and go to the end of the book in chapter 12. It's page 546 if you're using the Brown Worship Bible. So hold King David's thoughts from 1 Kings 2, passing on his wisdom. And now think of the son who received those words and is finishing up the book with the text we just read about time for everything under God's heaven. And Solomon, we know from scholarship, wrote this book in his winter years. So he ends this book with this verse, 12, 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his what? Commandments. For this is the duty or the call of all humankind. Sound familiar? Sound like a son who got these words of wisdom from his father near his death? And now as he ends this book, he says, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the calling of all humankind. Hold those thoughts. Let's finish this and connect the dots now. Generations later, to someone in the family tree of King David where this dot connecting started, his name is Jesus. And Jesus in Matthew 22, which is in the New Testament, it's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So Matthew 22, if you'd like to join me there. Verse 36, the religious leaders of the day are challenging Jesus. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? They always tried to trap him. They always tried to get him to say something that might uh, lose favor with the crowds or get him in trouble with them. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? David tells Solomon, his son, keep the commandments, you'll prosper. Solomon, near the winter years of his life, ends the book of Ecclesiastes. Keep God's commands. This is the calling of all humankind. This is what you're supposed to do with your time. Jesus put on the spot in Matthew 22, answers this question, which is the greatest of these commandments David and Solomon are talking about with this? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it, he says. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. David tells his son, keep God's commands and you will prosper. That son pens a book and concludes it by saying, keep God's commands. This is the calling of humankind. Jesus is challenged, which is the greatest of all those commands those guys are talking about? And he sums it up with this. Love God and love others.
You want to be generous with your time? You want to be in step with God's will? You want to receive God's love and then pour that into the lives of those around you? Then love God and love others. Repeat after me. Love God and love others. One more time. Love God and love others. You want to lead a generous life? Jesus says, do this. It's what Solomon talked about. It's what David talked about. You want to be in step with God? You want to have a tip for time management? Ask yourself the question. Is what I'm doing right now loving God? Is what I'm doing right now loving others? It's a dangerous question. Because we know at times we're sinful and unclean people. But nonetheless, we ask that question. And when we know the answer is no, we turn to the cross of Jesus Christ and we're forgiven and renewed and we have God's grace. But it is a good question to ask is what I'm doing with my time generous for God and for others? I want to wind us down here by stealing a page from the late, great Pastor Fred Rogers. You might know him as Mr. Rogers. I'd like you to think about the people in your life who have been generous with their time with you. I'd like you to take 10 seconds of silence to think about those who have been so generous with their time in your life that have loved you into being, that have nurtured you along the way, that have made you the person you are by the gift of their time. Ten seconds. And as Mr. Rogers says, I'll watch the time. What a blessing those people have been in your life and mine. How will you carry the legacy forward that they so generously gave to you in loving others around you in the way they gave their time to you? And as you think about that, think about your heavenly Father who has loved you the most, loved you with the most unconditional love in the universe, has met you at the cross of his son and said, I love you this much, and has promised you forgiveness and grace and eternal life. And how much of our time can we be generous with in loving that God and in loving other people in a way that's more generous than we are now? I ask that you pray about that today and in the days ahead 
and ask God to guide you and direct you and thank him for those people in your life that have blessed you with their generosity of time, how you can carry that legacy forward and how you can love others with your time. Can we pray about that? Gracious God, life is a precious gift each day. We thank you for those past and living who love us with generosity of time. May we carry that forward into the lives of others. And Lord, may we open our hearts and minds and souls to the gift of your amazing love so that we may love you in return with our generosity of time as we worship, as we learn, as we serve. And from that bountiful love of yours, may that spill over into the lives of others around us with a love that is so deep and so wide that it spreads out wherever we go. We pray these things in Jesus' name and we all said together,